This is another episode of the Annoyed Not Offended podcast. For people who are never in a bad mood, everyone else is just annoying. And I'm your host, Sydney. Let's dive into what's getting under our skin this week. Okay, so what is up, you guys? And welcome back for another episode of the Annoy Not Offended podcast. Again, this is a podcast for the constantly irritated but unoffended individuals. And please remember, it is not your fault that everything is annoying. As always, I'm your host, Sydney, and I have my lovely co-host here with me as well, Kendall, discussing the latest and greatest in the news of what has gotten on our nerves this week. So new week, new guest. Our latest guest is a friend of the show and delightfully agreed to be on this week. So Shannon, do you want to give a quick introduction? Yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm Shannon Clash. Um, I'm originally from Baltimore, living here in the cold city of Chicago. And I work as a story supervisor at FCB Chicago. So dabbling a little bit in advertising, dabbling, used to be um, a producer at NBC. So, you know, a little bit of journalism, too. So we here. We're present. Love it. And again, we're happy to be joined by Shannon. This week, we are going to dig into Black History Month. As we all know, the month celebrates the rich cultural heritage adversities that are an incredible part of our country's history. Um, Yet it's still the shortest month of the year. And there are a lot of details that are often left out about Black History Month and even recently with all of these laws being written in about how states will even choose to educate their students. It's very annoying, but we're going to get into that. So starting off with the very first segment, we have fed up or f***ed up. So just as a FYI for any new listeners and even our new guests, we use this segment to kind of get into what has gotten under our skin this week, because what better way to learn more about people? Uh, Mine this week, is it too, it doesn't have me too fed up, just got me thinking about some stuff, but mine is like, are we new or old acquaintances? So 2022 has been full of events and a lot of change considering it's only February. But one, a change that I've noticed in my life uh, personally is like people are making some interesting reintroductions. So recently I've had an old friend return to my life after a very, very, very long time. Like it's been around maybe six or seven years since we've had any communication. We really did not talk, didn't check up on each other, anything like that. And so most of the communication that we did even have uh, up until recently was through another mutual friend. But me, it was never because I asked about that person. It was just like, okay, so-and-so is doing this or I hung out with them. And I'm like, okay, you kind of slid that in there. Interesting. But I would never really go into it. Um, Now, I don't have to go into detail about what happened. And I'm not a person that holds a grudge either, but I feel like if I'm wronged in any situation, I forgive, I just don't forget. (laughs) So, you know, it's not a bad thing, but I'm just like, hey, we did have this relationship, but based on what you did, 
we can no longer have that relationship or bond just because you've broken my trust. And it's nothing wrong with that. I want to make sure that when I establish a boundary and people step over it, that they realize I don't have to have you be a part of my life. But I'm just curious, like, has there been any times in your life where you've experienced people coming back in or kind of making old acquaintances or whatever? Well, first off, you are most definitely a Virgo. <laughs> you are such, oh my God. <laughs> there are some times where I'm like, there's definitely a difference between August Virgos and September because me being August and you being September, like you are full-fledged a hundred percent. And why do you say that? Please tell me more about myself, please. Because you said, I you don't forget, like you can forgive, but not forget. That's one thing. And because Virgos I are notorious for holding grudges. It's not a grudge. It's no bad will. It's just like, I don't want you in my life. Is that a grudge? If you don't want somebody in your life anymore? No, I feel like on my end, I definitely like remember. Mm. I don't forget, but Mm -hmm. I definitely do give people a second chance. If that relationship was like, if I had good memories, like I, I let them back in, but I also like won't forget and it'll never be the same. Like it, it's never the same. Okay. So have you had any experiences recently that you can think back on where you were letting somebody back in or giving them a second chance? I don't know. I feel like with all of my like friendships or acquaintances, like I have, it's either just like time Mm -hmm. throughout of it, but anybody that I really had like a falling out with never really has come back. I've never really left them back in. So maybe I am. Maybe I am. I think it's just, I'm thinking about relationships that just grew apart. And see, this wasn't a relationship that grew apart. It was more of like, we were very, very, very close. And then there was like an abrupt ending. And I was like, all right, we don't got to be friends no more. You can go to hell. And that's how it was. (laughs) That's how it was. And so for a long time, we just wouldn't talk. But then when I would see them after maybe like three or two years, I was cordial. Like, hey, but it wasn't like, oh, how are you doing? I was not trying to even make small talk. I was just like, hey, but and Mm -hmm. interestingly enough, this is still this is a friendship. It's not a relationship. But like you said before, Kendall, I am trying to let time be the determining factor. And I feel like it's giving growth, like Kelly from Insecure said, it's giving a lot of growth. Uh, but I don't know. Like I, I said, I don't feel like I'm a grudge holder. I'm sorry, what'd you say? I think it depends on the situation. So I'm pulling zodiacs. I'm a full Capricorn through Ooh. and through. Okay. Like my son is Capricorn. There's even a little bit of Scorpio rising in there. Okay. Oh, so, so you definitely hold a grudge. And so I do, I do hold grudges, but I am also a December cap that is more emotional than I think January caps are. And so I unfortunately have tended to have the behavior where I would let people back in because I truly believe in the best in people and believe that there is room for growth. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I am now at a place where (laughs) that no longer serves me anymore. Yeah, yeah. And because it no longer serves me anymore, because I'm still building that trust with self in these decisions, <laughs> I don't think there's room for certain people to come back. I think there's mature conversations. I think it's, I wish you the best. Because I've gotten past the grudge part and been like, no, I'm not even wishing you the best. Like, at this point, I wish the best, at least. Mm-hmm. But I just don't need that here with me because of how sensitive mm-hmm. I am to human beings and what they say they're growing to, but they're actually not growing to. And 
mm-hmm. and I definitely agree with that because I feel like this person I've seen them try to make that change and they have apologized because they even called me a while back I mean like you know like we've been hanging out recently and I didn't want you to feel like I just swept that under the rug like I did when to apologize and I'm like well we were different people back then so I, I accept your apology and I do see the change, but I still don't want to jump back into it. Like, OMG, we besties again. Like, let's hang out. Come over and let's do this because I don't know. I feel like it might be those still a little peak of that crazy. You said something about change that both of you guys have changed. You're not the same people. And sometimes the new people aren't supposed to be friends either. Good mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Good I point. had a relationship not like a relationship, a friendship that we were never really friends in high school. Like we went to the same high school. We were like, good. We were cool. Like we would hang out and stuff, but I wouldn't be like, that was my best friend just because I didn't love the person that they were friends with. Like there is like their friend group. Mm-hmm. And so, cause I thought the rest of the friend group were really mean people. So it was kind of just like, I like the person. I don't like who they are, but you have to remember you are, who you surround yourself with. And then when, and then I ended up just like full-fledged, like not liking this person, like my senior year of high school. And then we developed a friendship after we graduated high school. And for me, I was kind of like, okay, well, like maybe this is growth. Like maybe this is literally like you're out of high school, that friend group changes. Like maybe you're a different person. Like I looked at that friendship as I got older, because we, like, there was one point we were really good. And then as I got older and you kind of grew we grew apart but there were like some instances where I was like "Eh, I don't necessarily know how I feel about this person but I kept the friendship going and then it's just like at the end of the day you're doing yourself a disservice and like I still have this person in my life yes but I think even the second time around like redeveloping that relationship and coming friends again because you have to like relearn each other as like each time you come back together it still doesn't work. And there are still moments where I'm like, I can't talk to you every day. Like I can't do X, Y, and Z. And so it's like, as I'm learning, relearning each relationship again and again, after like time goes apart, like you have to realize like, it's not the best thing to keep doing that to yourself. And that's something I'm trying to relearn. Like I don't need everybody in my life. Mm-hmm. And but it's I interesting. everybody back in all the time. Like and if see, they want to talk to me, I'll talk to them. And that's interesting because I feel like you guys are saying like we're the opposite in a way. Like you guys are like, oh, when I was younger, I was more open to letting people back in and us having these conversation of, oh, how can we be better? How can we have a better relationship? Whereas now you're a little more hesitant and you're like, okay, let me be mindful of who comes into my space. Whereas I feel like I was the opposite. Like when I was younger, I'm like, look, you, sorry to say it like this, but you did to me please. Like you do not have to talk to me anymore. I don't have to exist in your world. You don't have to exist in mine. And I just moved on. But now that I'm older, I'm like, maybe people really do change. Maybe. And you find that balance though. Again, it, it depends on the situation, but I think it's also like, again, like you said, it's tapping into yourself and being like, let me evaluate mm-hmm. this or not even just the situation. Let me evaluate myself. Am I even in a space yeah. where I'm ready to have this conversation with you, give this energy right now. Like, am I in that space or do I be like, okay, right now I need all my energy for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's not saying that further along, we might not want to try get close again, or there's an openness that happens that the timing just matches up, but currently I'm tapping in and my energy needs to be for me, yep. excuse me. Or it could be as simple as like, I remember 
how I felt in that moment when you weren't with growth Mm -hmm. and yet you still have grown, but I saw that you didn't take me into consideration back then. Mm -hmm. And I now have also grown in loving myself even more that if you don't even have that bare minimum, regardless of how much growth you've had, which is to respect and take me into consideration, then again, I don't think I have the energy for this. Yeah, mm. it's a lot to take into consideration. Mm. I'm just, I'm gonna see where it goes. I'll keep everybody you know updated. But you know what I noticed see? about this though is that I'll extend this grace to like women in my life, but I won't extend it to men. Like I, like if I had a guy friend and we had a falling out, like I will, it'll never be the same again, and I probably will never try to like reinstate that relationship. Whereas like. I think girlfriends are important. So I like, I give that same grace to try again, but it's like guy friends, like, no, it's really like a one and done situation, which sounds crazy, but it's like, I think the reason I've ever had falling outs with my guy friends, and this is going to sound really weird, um, (laughs) is like, you know, what happens like when you, a guy and a girl are friends and like one of them will like try Mm -hmm. something or like, it'll just be like a really bad falling out because of that, where I'm like, I wasn't thinking that I didn't want that. Mm-hmm. And then this happens. And I'm like, I, I can't go back to things being normal because were they ever normal or were you just trying? Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely see that being more of a scenario where you're like, look, oh, I really, I don't know your intentions anymore. Mm-hmm. I feel like you really stepped over a boundary that I have, especially if they would about it in a way of being like, oh yeah, like, that's that's not a thing that's not a thing I don't look at you as that in the end totally flip up on you one day and you're like wait a second did he, mm-hmm. did he just try to hit on me did he try to spot on me yeah and it's I the only time I think I've ever cut a friendship off completely is if they said something like really hurtful mm. and like that's only been the instance with like one of my guy friends where it was like they said something and I was like I I couldn't like even try to be friends with this person again because I'm gonna remember that mm-hmm Yeah. And I feel like for my other friendships with people, it's been just mostly us growing apart. It hasn't been any like this is just one of those situations where it was a big blow up. But in I feel like in other relationships where I no longer talk to people, it was just a matter of us growing up, hanging out with different groups of people, having different interests and so forth. It was never any bad blood. So like I said, we shall see. I will keep everybody updated. Um, (laughs) I was going to say, do either of you have anything for fed up or fucked up this week? I always come to the table with something and I might have two, but my first one kind of ties into our topic. So I might do that for the end of it. But other one is spatial awareness and that there are a certain type of people that do not have spatial awareness in public. And it's like, are we talking about clear people? Hmm. Are you talking about clearer people, people of a paler skin tone? Okay. Yes. Okay. There's like little to no spatial awareness that they ever have. It's like space is completely occupied and they don't like, I I was in a store today and this happens all the time in my neighborhood. Like Mm -hmm. it's just the sidewalk, like walking. It's like either pick a side to let other people through or just take up the whole thing. And it's, it happens all the time. Or like we're in a restaurant not a restaurant. I was in a store today. And this woman was like taking up the whole entire lane of just like standing there with her clothes and didn't even move when I was clearly like trying to walk past her and said, excuse me. Mm -hmm. And it happened so often, but today it was like really bad. And I was like, you know, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about this because 
that happens far too often. And I don't know if this is like a, no one's ever told them that or a privilege no, people, thing. I, or, I think it's more of a privilege thing. I agree. I So I'm going to be honest, when I lived in New York, how often, in New York in general, the sidewalks are congested, but how often there were situations where it was just like me and another person. And I kept realizing how much I would do like the model, like to the side to get past for them. And it was just no effort on the other person to the point where Maxi Waters comes in, in my head often, like reclaiming my time, reclaiming my space and infuriates yeah. my mother because I won't move. I, I literally visualize this, the lines where my feet are and anything that's in that way. If someone's not making that conscious decision to move out the way that's on them, because I will walk straight into them at this point, because I feel like there's enough space. And if I know I'm being accommodating in the fact that I'm staying on the right side so that somebody can walk on the left. The least you can do is not walk right in front of me. Yep. If I do, I reclaim my space and I just keep walking. I'm and they can say excuse me, especially this month. Okay. Right? <laughs> oh my that mm, yeah. I texted you about that this morning, Shane. Um, but when I was in Starbucks today, I was I'm fed up about something else too. I there's a lot, something's in retrograde today. Um, but when I was at Starbucks today, I was picking up my order. Mm-hmm. What well, was in a mobile order? I was in the store, like waiting in front of like the thing for my drink. And I hear my name and I like, go up to grab it. And I'm clearly talking to the barista saying like, can I get a stopper? Like I'm mid sentence. And this woman comes up and like goes straight to the barista, talks over me and was like, that's my order. Like says her name. She's like order for blah, blah, blah. And I just like, I couldn't even fix my face if I wanted to. I like looked at her, like completely, like completely looked at her to the side and the barista like had this look on their face and she would, but instead of like going to that woman, the barista continued like talking to me. As she should, like, or yeah. as they should. And she was like, you guys was were having moment? the interaction first. Yeah. And I was like, that is so rude. Like, I don't know, like. That also comes into like wearing masks. Like maybe they don't know that I was like mid sentence because she rolled up strong and like you can't tell that I'm talking. But it's like no, it's common sense. I feel just- like having masks should be more of a, a indicator because now you know that it is much harder to hear people and it is much harder to talk. So if you see two people that look like they're interacting, you should most definitely wait until the other person completely walks off and clears the area right and again and she was handing me my drink so it's like I can't even give this woman the benefit of the doubt like I just tried to like she no. knew <laughs> what she was doing and I was like and you didn't cur- like I you know what I feel like a lot of times you don't need to curse people out but it'll make you feel better or even like going off on them because it'd be like what the hell why are you so close to me and then they just looking shocked and it's like why are you shocked right. we're literally like this and I used to get so irritated with my mom when she would act like that in public. And now I don't blame her. I completely understand. Like I used to be like, mom, stop. But now it's like, I am my mother. I think you it's have also to be. like, I have fun doing it in the most political way. I'm not sure you know if I'm doing it. Like in that situation, I'd be like, miss, this lovely Starbucks worker will get to your drink in one second. We're just going <laughs> to complete this transaction really quick and she'll be here to help you out. That's when you have to like do it with the hand, like cut the web where you're like, I'm sorry. Like she'll be with you in a second. I just needed to stop her. Like, especially because I feel like, like any worker that's dealing with like 
the public, a Starbucks worker, they already, I know that person's going to have to deal with a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that day. But let me, <laughs> you don't even want to add. Yeah. Let me cut this out. Miss, one second. <laughs> Transaction and we're going to keep it moving. I'll be, I'll be out your way. One um, second. So my, oh, I was going to move on. Whatever you're saying, said nothing i was just laughing at what she was saying because you can't deny it when you're when you're that like polite to people they have no choice but to be like oh, okay and then just move on but again right well for my second uh fed up or fucked up um it kind of ties into what shannon and i were laughing at earlier too i feel like this black history month has been so like unnoticed this year um and it's a little frustrating but what also is frustrating is you would think after like kind of the year that was 2020 and learning through 2021 that sports journalists would understand at this point, like when there are black men who are in sports, who are also Greek, that they're going to throw up their signs sometimes. Are you talking about Shaq? Yes. That was so like, so during for context for everyone listening during the all-star game yesterday, um, Shaquille O'Neal is a Q dog. He's a Q and he threw up his sign in the middle of the game when they like put the camera towards him and somebody, I think it was like common sense. Like it was a well-known like Twitter account posted it and said like Shaq doing a goofy or like do a goofy face as the caption. And it was Shaq. Now I would have thought any sports journalists or any type of published demographic whatever blog would have learned their lesson with Jalen Hurts and that tweet of Jalen Hurts, who was also a Q, um, saying like Jalen Hurts playing homage to Kiss. Like I thought they would have learned their lesson with the responses by then. But seeing that happen again, I was like, did nobody take away anything from that? And then there's Emmanuel Ocho, who is, if you guys don't aren't familiar with him, I think he's a former NFL player, but he also was a host for The Bachelor for a little bit on that James season. Mm-hmm. And he has a YouTube series, like Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. Um, he tweeted it and was like, are y'all for real right now? And then he screenshotted it because I think he might've deleted it and tweeted it again and saying like, this is why we need more diverse like journalists or there needs to be more of a DEI focus on a lot of these like networks. Mm-hmm. because this should have been ran through somebody for content purposes because it did go on social media. There has to be somebody in content to like edit this and review it and be like, hold up. Um, but what I think irritated me the most of this situation, whoa, words are hard, um, wasn't that it was completely like wrong. It was the replies underneath of it, of Emmanuel Ocho's tweet. Everything underneath of it was, unfortunately, it was white people who were saying like this is a goofy face like regardless like it is goofy and we're saying like well it doesn't matter if you like hire more diverse staff like if they don't know they don't know and I was like that's the whole issue that we're having is that if you had a diverse staff you had more black journalists especially in the sports area you would have this issue wouldn't have happened and so it's like everybody was missing the mark by a thousand and like being so loudly wrong that I think it was more frustrating. And I was like, y'all are really going to do this on Black History Month? Like while we're, this is your educational moment to really like grasp into what Black History Month is and you're just not caring. I actually had an experience like this happen personally in college. So 
I love my college. Let me make that disclaimer. University of Maryland College Park, Philip Merrill. I go threw it through oil. Go Terps, you know. But <laughs> it was my graduation and I was the speaker for my journalism school. And at that time, I was the president of my chapter. I'm an Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated member. Stay new chapter. <laughs> Shout out. But I was a president on campus and I was very involved. And I would have thought my dean would have known that that's what I was a part of. And in my speech, I had said, you know, something about my sorority. And of course, a lot of members ski weed, even my mother, everyone mm-hmm. shouted it out. And my dean goes, oh, that was weird. Shit. Wait, wait, I- wait, 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 wait. She said this like on a mic to people. On a mic. Uh, to people. And I, I will give her only this much. I genuinely think that she was unaware of Greek life in general. Mm-hmm. A dean? A, a dean. Unaware of Greek life, especially because our journalism school, we go hard when it comes to journalism. We, most people don't have time to, excuse me, get involved in social stuff because you want to survive journalism school. And that's fine because I came out a, a damn good journalist because of the school. But she was not aware of that Greek life. And unfortunately, Again, because AKA is a part of the Divine Nine, my story sisters who are Black were very like, who is she talking to? As they should. Mm -hmm. And it was a big thing that I think me and my family members and my friends always remember about that moment because it was beautiful to have myself as a Black woman speaking on behalf of the student population at graduation. But it's also this moment of she didn't have to say that. She didn't have to say that. And even then... If you are ignorant to knowing what that meant, why not come up to you later on and just say, hey, I noticed you guys did something after they said that. Yeah, what does that what, mean? Yeah, what does that mean? And Instead I think, of that was weird. And I think that was a teaching moment, which it was. Like, I definitely let her know. Yeah, I let it know, hey, we were not throwing up no gang signs. This was not a gang affiliation. Da, 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 da. Like, this is actually a sorority on the campus. And we had that conversation. And so, again learning when to have a teachable moment, but I do think it definitely comes back to representation. It definitely Mm -hmm. comes back to even a small thing of, I was a student leader in your school or as big as you're a journalist in sports and Shaq, who's been throwing up the hook for years. Let's just be honest. Like, I mean, plenty of athletes have. Plenty, plenty. So I think there is, And there's also been a lot of articles that came out in like, I remember the Baltimore Sun and stuff like that, where again, someone did a skiwi or something and somebody didn't know what that meant. And they thought it was something negative. Like there's been constantly journalism articles about this, that there should be an awareness. But again, it comes back to diversity. Now, if I, as a black woman and am somewhere with some white people and they say anything in reference to their fraternity or sorority, if I were to say, what the hell does that mean? Would I not yeah. also be wrong? No, you wouldn't. Oh, that was <laughs> nice. You wouldn't be wrong because unfortunately, again, there's a difference between the history of the divine nine and a lot of other sororities and fraternities. And there are different values. And I will say that as yeah. someone that has worked in a Greek office and that has been very privy and aware to the differences, mm-hmm. you saying, oh, I don't know about X, Y, Z. That's not divine nine. It's because mm-hmm. there's one you can choose from to defining their differences is also going to be complicated because not all that information is readily available unless you can identify the philanthropy, I always mess that word up, that they're assigned to, where divine nine, there is a stereotype, there is an identity, there is 
founders that we talk about consistently, mm-hmm. our years, uh, the dates, all that information, we are like, it's poured into you, which might not be different to a lot of other and so if we were to say that to them they'd be like oh i barely know the information too (laughs) where we look crazy if we don't know the information yeah and so of course we look at other people that are not aware as crazy because of how much has been instilled in us whether you're a part of and too i feel like people who are part of the divine nine also you hold it closer to your heart I right. feel like than a lot of them do just because I have family members that yeah. are a part of various and fraternities. yeah for sure. yes that's ex- the exact word I think that's why I I give a little 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 bit of grace just because I'm like but to me that- it's still it's still very blatantly disrespectful oh, yeah. yeah yeah to still come back after somebody has already told you Especially like in the case where Kendall is sure. like, these people are still getting on social media and being like, well, yeah. it is a goofy face. He is being funny. It's Shaq. Like, I bet you wouldn't say this to Shaq's face. Sure wouldn't. No. Or really, if you wouldn't say it to like any of the other white athletes that might still actually like have Greek life affiliation that did it. Like, but I also think what irritated me a little bit about it is that I feel like from a journalist's perspective, it wasn't also them doing their homework because there's a huge emphasis in the NBA on supporting HBCUs. D9s developed in HBCUs. So if you're going to follow a story and follow an athlete and follow an organization that has close ties to HBCUs or supporting them or using them as a platform for whatever money they're getting from the all-star game, Mm -hmm. you need to know the story of what an HBCU is and what comes out of it. So I feel like that on all fours was just like really missing the mark again by like a thousand because it still ties into what the whole all-star game was benefiting in general. Mm -hmm. Especially because there are a lot of uh, black athletes in this franchise. Same can go for the NFL. So when that happened with Jalen Hurts, I really thought it's like, we all work in advertising. Well, Shannon and I do. Mm -hmm. Sydney's in PR media so I feel like we all are aware of that Pepsi commercial with Kendall Jenner and it's like everybody's kind of like I never want to have that mistake ever so it's like why wasn't that situation like I never want to have that mistake ever because it didn't turn out well again it's something that they don't prioritize they do not prioritize it until we're in a situation like this where they're like oh it's gone completely wrong now we're facing whatever backlash that has come with it. That's when they choose to address it most times. And even then, I can kind of say there are some Black people who will be in rooms such as these, and they also choose not to speak up and address it. It's a lot. It's a lot. It fa- I feel like it, the, it falls back more so on people being ignorant and wanting to remain ignorant. But again, there are those still loopholes of people like us still being in the room and not choosing to say anything or feeling uncomfortable speaking up and saying anything because, hey, some people do speak up and they still tell them, hey, that's not what we want to go with. We're still not feeling that. And that falls into the issue with a lot of these states wanting to erase critical race theory and black history as a category in the school system because they won't know stuff like this. They won't be taught that. I don't know if a D9 would ever come up in a history lesson, but we talk about HBCUs and segregation within the school system and what comes out of it. So 
you know, you don't teach that you're also creating more generations of this ignorance. But that's a later topic to discuss. I'm about to say, are we talking in there yet? Because the I was way- gonna say we get into it. We're about to jump back, jump in. Um, but moving on to the make it make sense segment. If you guys cannot tell by now, we talking about Black History Month. And I'm pretty sure I say this every week. Um, but I'm excited for this discussion in this topic. It is the time of year when we celebrate and honor all the contributions that Africans Americans have made to this country which is, you know, it's kind of making it more simple than it is, considering most things people enjoy about this country is because of Black people at the end of the day. Um, Yet with every Black History Month that rolls around, I still feel like most people aren't doing enough to commemorate all of our achievements, and we are still fighting to be recognized. So this is a bit of background had to do my research, but for people who are unaware, Black History Month was created by Carter G. Whitson, the son of formerly enslaved people, and he went on to earn his PhD at Harvard, and he is now known as the father of Black history. He created what was then known as the first Negro History Week in February of 1926, and he decided on the month of February. I did not realize this um, because Black Americans already celebrated the birthdays of both Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln. So then out of Negro History Week was born Black History Month much later in 1976, which is the first year that it was observed. But back to those questions that we have at hand, I would just say, getting a general feel, how do you all feel about Black History Month? I know it's a very general, very broad question, but how do you feel about Black History Month? I think my thought of it is continuously changing every Black History Month. I think one, Black History Month has always been a moment in time where I, I wanna believe everyone, Black, white, all of the above, are becoming aware of how Black people are influencing America in this country. I want to believe. And I think that goal still continues, but in a different way. I think, like Kendall was saying, it does feel like this year Black History Month has been forgotten about in a corporate setting, I'll say that. Definitely compared to the past two years. And I will also say that there is an even larger tone this time when it comes to at least the communities that I circulate in. Where And I think we're fed up because there is the, the fact that there's so much history we didn't know. I think we're fed up at the fact of there are people that are genuinely trying to stop us from learning the history that we're personally becoming aware of. And then I think we're also fed up because I personally feel like People try Black people in Black History Month on purpose. And so as much as I post, even my posts in Black History Month have changed. It went from, oh, let me just post this history information so we can all become aware and being very tasteful about it. And now it's like, I'm reposting, you know, a man gets slapped up because he's saying the N-word. Like, I, you know, I, it, it's, 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 it's going a different direction now because it's like, at this point, it's like, if we're saying Black History Month is a big thing and corporate America is celebrating it and we've tried the route of, let's talk about our history and the knowledge 
and awareness, which we should all be doing, because like that's not getting it twisted. Just because it's Black History Month does not mean every Black person knows everything going on. Like I just watched a whole documentary on. I hope I'm saying this right, Catilda, which is the last slave ship that's literally submerged underwater in Mobile, Alabama. That they snuck in 110 slaves here, and their descendants are talking about it. And it was a book, mm-hmm. so it's like even just seeing that history for myself that I didn't know about. So we're becoming aware too, but it's also the fact that it's like, this is not just a month for us to talk about history. It's also to talk about, we're still alive and living and making history too. Yes. And I think that has also evolved what Black History Month is to me, not just to find out history we didn't know about, but there's so much history we're making now. Yes. That we need to be pushing out. So that was a, 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 a rant because I'm thinking about it. <laughs> that's what I have right now. What about you, Kendall? How do you feel about Black History Month? I feel like, like Shannon, like as I got older, the meaning definitely changed for me. Um, mm-hmm. I also think now that I work in corporate America and I was in nonprofit previously, it's very interesting to see a corporate take on Black History Month and how they handle it as well. Um, I do think there it's, I do think I might share the same similar feelings of when Juneteenth is too um, in America and again, how it's handled in corporate. Um, I do get tired a lot of Juneteenth and like Black History Month having to be an educational month and day for non-Black folks Um, and this constant like, I, I, I toe the line with this, like, do I get annoyed that there isn't enough posting? And is it enough like education pieces coming out or do I get annoyed that like I even have to educate anybody on this or there even has to be anything coming out to educate anybody on it, you know? And I think that's where I kind of toe the line mm-hmm. here where I'm like, do I completely enjoy this for myself mm-hmm. or do I use it as a time to educate everybody else around me? And I, this month, I, this year, mm-hmm. I've used it to enjoy it myself I and just kind of celebrate like this part of my identity and how like amazing it is that I am black, you know, like it's, and everybody that's kind of paved the way for me to be like where I'm at now. Mm -hmm. And, but I think I also get incredibly frustrated when people don't realize like how not long ago the civil rights era was like, I think all of us collectively, our parents lived through it at some point, our grandparents did to some their grandparents fully our parents to some capacity yes my grandmother went to one of the first like integrated high schools in St. Louis and that's a lot like that's not long ago at all no and that's a lot (laughs) to kind of process and harbor you know I would think that after the year we had in 2020 that there would be a little bit more of an understanding or knowledge and less ignorance but this year it's being met with a lot of ignorance and it's kind of the thing about America as a whole is we take so many steps forward only to take them all back back. and we're incredibly performative we are we're oh we're so performative oh we're gonna do this we're gonna do that we have all of these great programs and then you see shit like them storming the capital and you're like wait a minute that's not the same yeah. America that, oh, no. 
because we haven't made any progress. It's all a facade. They try to cover it up with all of these other things and these programs and, oh, well, Black people have done so much. And it's like, we've only done that because we've been met with so much backlash. Like as a whole, I feel like that's one thing that I really can commemorate Black people for. Like just all that we've endured yet we've continued to go forward and make all of these achievements, like despite everything, which is amazing. But I've always been interested in how, and how so much is out there that we didn't know about until now, like as an adult, like there are so many little facts, even recently learning about like how slaves technically invented blue jeans. What? I feel like that was the eye-opening thing for me is that Again, going back to 2020, I did a lot of reading on things that I wasn't 100 percent knowledge about, knowledgeable mm-hmm. about, and I think reading about slavery was like in depth and things that we weren't taught in the school system, and it's really disappointing how much we were not taught like at all. Mm-hmm. Um, reading about what I did and basically how slaves were just used as test dummies for surgeries, how they were used as bait for animals. Like it is honestly appalling. Um, And I think when I was reading all of that, it kind of like, it changed my perspective on a lot of things. And I also think too, with how performative a lot of these organizations are and a lot of these businesses are, it's kind of insulting at the same point. Like I was at a Bulls game and they were singing the black national anthem mm-hmm. but immediately after started singing the national anthem and I was like we really didn't need to have the both of them like pick one and if it's going to be out of respect for black history month it should have just been the black national anthem because who were you trying to appease mm-hmm. with doing the regular national anthem right after now like now one thing I am I'm interested in even uh learning about from you guys what would you say is your own experience about learning Black history? Like I know, Kendall, you talked about reading up on things during the summer and kind of taking that time and, you know, setting aside uh, more time to contribute to learning and so forth. But what would you think about like your early experiences of learning Black history? My parents always, my mom at least, always did a really good job of teaching my brother and I that. Like Mm -hmm. my mom, she is multiracial, um, but her family, part of her family immigrated from Africa mm-hmm. up to the U.S. And so she would actually come into my school because she knew my brother and I, we were being put in like a predominantly white school system because we went to Catholic school growing up. But my mom made it her mission at least every year that we were in school that she would come into my brother's classroom, my classroom, other classrooms throughout my, where I grew up, where I went to that Catholic school and teach students about black history. And it, sometimes it was on black history month, but she also did it too. Cause she's half native, um, that she would do like native American, like heritage month in November. Mm-hmm. So she would come in, in February and November or whenever they would let her and teach us lessons about it and come into the classroom and teach my classmates. But I was getting it at home too. And she, at one point, <laughs> dressed him as Harriet Tubman and talked about the Underground Railroad. But I think growing up with it, I knew, but I didn't know as much as I did when I became an adult 
like I knew about the celebratory mm-hmm. pieces. I knew about the inventions. I knew about really the people that changed society. Mm-hmm. Like my mom even had it on a blanket, like of mm-hmm. everybody. My mom, she, her first internship was with the King Center and she would take us there and walk us through all the stuff that she really like lived through. Mm-hmm. But I only knew it from her perspective. And then as I was in the school system, I knew it from the censored, like mm-hmm. censored part of it that would appease the other people in my classroom. Um, but it always segmented me out. Like I remember the slavery unit all the time and people would turn around and stare at me and like all of that. So what I knew black history as a kid was loving it and growing up and being like, this is really cool. Like my people are really cool. And then as I got older, being in like a white school system, almost being a little embarrassed when it would come around because I knew people would make me very uncomfortable about it. Or they would say stuff like they'd see George Washington Carver and they would talk about his hair or they would talk about whoever they saw and like their hair. And it was always like, oh, is yours like that? And it was just one of those things where I would constantly like have to prepare myself mentally to go through this mm-hmm. or especially the units. and then when I got into college, those feelings like wore away and I was like, okay, let's celebrate this and have a good time. And now I'm at that point in my life where I'm like, I look forward to it, mm-hmm. but you kind of go through different stages. For sure. Yeah. Mine's a similar and a little different. So as a kid, my mom was the same way, very much about teaching black history month. I have two very vocal grandmothers Um, that make it very clear about Black history. And I think from both sides, one coming from the East Coast and one coming from the South, grandmothers, they had different experiences as well when it came to Black history. And I think I got a plethora of that information. I think my mom was also very conscious about, like we did Kwanzaa and like, Mm -hmm. I will say my kindergarten did Kwanzaa too, which we appreciate. And it was definitely a predominantly white space, but (laughs) my mom was serious about it. Like we would invite people over for Kwanzaa. Like I know each day, like, and even for a lot of my black friends, they didn't have that experience, but my mom was very much like, I want you to tap into everything. And so when it comes to black history and traveling to different places and spaces and being aware, I will definitely say my childhood was filled with that, which very much instilled a perspective where I'm very much like, the two best things I have is that I'm black and I'm woman. Mm-hmm. And I can remember my mom also being a chocolate woman, us being in the mirror, her pouring into me, like how beautiful we were to the point when you, we started having those conversations. I remember that documentary that came out that Oprah pushed out, you know, about being dark skin, light skin. I couldn't relate because I was like, calling me dark skin is the best thing you can call me. And, but it's because the history that my mom instilled in me. And then Fast forward to, I think when you're in high school, middle school, you're aware of being Black, but you're not aware of being Caribbean, African, coming from this place and that place. It's very Black and white when you're in high school. And I went to, I first went to a private school, then I went to a public school. And when I went to college, there was in some ways, I don't want to say identity crisis, but there was a moment where it hurt me that I could not identify geographically where I was from it hurt me to my core where it was like, yeah, we're talking about black history and we're learning all these different people that influence society, but I want to know my black history. Like I, I was like craving it. And so 
I was going to African Student Association. I was going to Caribbean Student Association. I was going to Black Association. <laughs> Association. I was going, traveling to places where I had friends that could connect geographically. So I was going to St. Croix to see my friend and sit on the plantation land and be like, someone might've been here and literally just trying to connect. And so during quarantine, I was like, I'm gonna do Ancestry, I'm gonna do the research. And on Ancestry, they have their research space, but they also have a feature where people's profiles would say that they're in genealogy. And I actually wound up connecting with this guy from DNA that said he was my cousin. He actually went to school for genealogy and we started working on a project oh, wow. about our family line. And I said, I was like, he was like, what are your goals? And I was like, I want to go as far back as I can to either identify an individual that was in the African diaspora or an immigrant to whatever each its own. And I think what came out of that project was how much Black history or African-American history, whatever it is, is also an American dream and American history so much too, because in all these lines, I saw free people of color. I saw people that were enslaved and then became free people of color. I have a line that goes all the way to an immigrant from London that came to America, married a African woman, and then their child married an indigenous woman. I have where we were able to identify a black man that you can literally see because of DNA that his father was a slave master. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that wasn't made out of love. Let's just be honest. Something about having this information mm -hmm. empowered me even more to even just having that history that's personal to me that's also still black history. Mm -hmm. And so I think along with us knowing the history of very special individuals that have impacted our society. It's also knowing that we know someone or we have someone in our bloodline yes. that experienced the same things that we're talking about that were just on a mainstream level. Yes. And two, I know me personally, I had the opportunity to have all of my great grandmothers alive at one point in my life. And they were able to share actual stories with me about even I know one of my great grandmothers who's still alive talked about picking cotton like back in the 1950s because it was still a thing. But even being able to talk to them and like you said, see firsthand and hear those personal stories that attribute to some part of history is even more special because you're like, wow, I can literally talk and see you and see the emotion and you can literally tell me what you were thinking in that moment as opposed to picking up a book now I know me personally I all I went to public school all, all my life and every public school I went to was very black I remember in elementary school participating in our black history month program and us getting up on stage and singing the black national anthem and having black teachers who would drill into our heads like hey it's Black History Month, but all year you have history to learn. These are how your ancestors and how all of these other amazing people have made contributions to this society. And even those people that we don't know as much about, like Henrietta Lacks, her life story, um, and all of these other people. And I know my mom is definitely a person, like Kendall said, you about to learn about history, whether you wanted to or not. We would go to traveling museums. I remember we went to the 
oh my gosh, I forgot the name of it, but Tavis Smiley, he used to have like a traveling museum mm-hmm. that went all throughout the nation. They made all of these stops and my mom went and I got kind of got annoyed because I'm like, look, we have been here for three hours. You do not need to read through everything <laughs> this long, but she was still very much like, I want you to have the opportunity to learn as much as you can because I don't I I know what they're telling you in these schools, but I feel like they're still not hitting the mark, even for the black teachers that you have. They're still working with the limited resources that they have. Yeah. So is only based off what's approved. So basically, so she was always more so like, yes, you can go to school and receive it. But when you come home, I still want you to learn about Malcolm X and the Black Panthers and she always had these reading materials and would always be open to discussing things and talking about various ideologies so I felt early on having that connection to Black history now as I got older I felt like I had to learn more about it on a local level because within the Midwest we have a very rich Black history that a lot of people don't talk about as much just because we're not on the major coast and we're not in the South. So a lot of times it's kind of overlooked and bypassed. So as I've gotten older, I've even taken more opportunities to visit our history museums or go to programs where they talk about local artists such as, um, oh my gosh, what's this man's name? But he was born in East St. Louis, but even how they turned his house into a museum and learn about Josephine Baker and uh as terrible as he was Ike Turner but still these people Nelly whomever (laughs) these people who have made major contributions and it's just crazy to see like you said how much is bypassed and you see these little black kids who are eager to learn and like what is the true meaning of black history now I was going to also ask This is more of a, well, it's not technically, I don't think it's a controversial thing, but do you feel like Black History Month tends to neglect queer and LGBTQ history? I do. Yep. And I will say it it shouldn't, one. I think when Stonewall had its, I think their 50th anniversary, oh, I could be lying, but they had a major anniversary about Stonewall. I think that was the first time that I felt like programming highlighted people of color. Mm-hmm. I think as a leader in our black ERG at the agency, even the conversations we have with our ERG and we have a ERG prism shout out. When we talk about programming, we are always sensitive to include members of our LGBTQ plus community, but also aware that not every Black person's experience incorporates that insight as well. And so it's like, oh, are we doing separate programming? Are we doing stuff combined? Like, how do we make that look? And I think we have to do a better job of that because even the LGBTQ plus community doesn't always highlight people of color either. And that's a big conversation that me and my friends have been having about how do we push this information? Because if you have seen Paris is Burning or even if you haven't, if you've seen Pose, whatever it is, 
they highlight specifically people of color in the LGBTQ plus community and how much they also spark change and change history, but how much they were forgotten about, how much they were killed, how much there's a whole nother level of trauma that comes out of that history as well. And we have to highlight it. And we have to remember these people that were literally trying to just be themselves and they got forgotten about. Very true. So well, very, very, very true. And I had a discussion with somebody a while ago and I tried not to get to the point of just calling them blatantly stupid and dumb but mm-hmm. we were talking and they were like oh because you know I feel like this is a black person I feel like they're going to try to talk about LGBTQ history and teach that in schools and quite honestly if the person isn't gay do they need to learn that and I'm like yes. one they do need to learn this and two if you knew anything you would know how much this even goes back into Black history. People like Marsha P. Johnson, all of them who were at the front lines, who were people of color within mm-hmm. queer history. You would know what this attributes to and what this means. I'm like, if anything, you sound like a white person. Let me oh. just say this little nugget. I'm sorry. I have to say, I think it's very confused. I think it's very interesting how, I don't know if you want to insert white, insert whoever, because I don't think it's just white in the situation. I think it's very interesting how there we want a curriculum, but we want to eliminate different things that were actually a part of that history in the first place. So like, don't talk about a Christopher Columbus. Don't talk about any white leaders if you're not going to talk about Black people that were either on their plantation helping them live or helping them execute the things that they want. Don't sit here and not talk about the LGBTQ plus community when, let's be honest, some people were on the down low in the situation and had to hide their identity in the first place instead of being open about it. Let's not hide that your grandmother was probably a Black woman, but we want to just eliminate that out of British history as well. Like, don't tell, don't teach the next generation about history don't tell the next generation about stories if you're going to eliminate half of the story in the first place exactly. exactly and I feel like it's more upsetting when I hear actual black people say stuff like this when they like well I there's don't so much homophobia that's... and transphobia in the black community it is and there is even though there are people actively trying in settings to bridge that ex- in- intersectionality yeah like shannon knows about this like our black erg and our lgbtqi plus erg are doing stuff at work trying to bridge that and i will say like there's so much built within the community and i even recognize it when i hear things like my family members have said that it's like now why do you think that or why why is this an issue but i also think it comes on both ends like i do feel like the LGBTQI plus community also holds a lot of its history within whiteness and a lot of its identity within mm-hmm. whiteness. And you see, like, I will say, I mean, you could say the same thing men, for the women's movement. Right. So that is in white femininity. Femme to non-femme black queer men are probably one of the most used men for content purposes, for media purposes, for comedy than I've seen. And black women too, but I will say. They are always used for everything, but not given as much credit for anything. Mm-hmm. Like we all know the material girl song, but when we look at how often it's used and what a lot of those, that money is going for when it's, that sound is used on like TikTok, it's pretty much white women, but the artist itself is a black queer male. And I think that's also one of those things that there's not enough, like what Shannon's saying is that if you're going to 
teach the history or if you're going to showcase something, you have to pay homage to also and pay respect to the Black people that are behind it. Mm -hmm. And they're constantly behind a lot of the stuff we are seeing right now. Like a lot of the TikTok sounds that are trending, the ones that are used all the time again and again and again are Black creators who don't get a segment. They boycotted for a long time, Black creators. As they should. They boycotted because it's like, you're taking credit for the things that we're doing. Right. And it's like Charlie D'Amelio, Addison Rae, Dixie D'Amelio, and All-Star Weekend 2020, when they had to fly the girl out that created the Renegade Dance, basically overnight, you know that, that video where it's that little kid that gets pulled out of prison crying in the middle of the night? They basically had to do that to that little girl because the backlash they were facing was so bad out of the fact that they invited the top three creators on the app. I mean, and didn't not Jimmy Fallon, didn't he get some backlash or was that um, Jimmy? I'm sorry. Was that uh, Jimmy Fallon? Didn't he get some backlash as well when he kept bringing on those white TikToks? Yeah, and not actually and the real creators who aren't making the same amount of money in the TikTok creators fund that they are, even though they're the creators of it. And that's that was a lot of it and it's what we're seeing again and again again right now with what's trending is that what's trending is all created by black people and specifically a lot of like black queer men and there's not any type of recognition or money going that way like we look at ricky thompson and denzel dion and they make bank but they're also not getting the same type of recognition as other creators at that same point and ricky thompson and denzel have been household names since i was probably 13. Again, but two, it goes back to show even that that um how they are presently trying to erase the impact that black people continue to have in all of these various industries and facets. Like I said, every day I open Twitter and I learn something more about Black History Month yeah. or Black History in general general that I didn't know before. Even um, oh my gosh. Why do I keep, see, I'm forgetting these people's names now, but even um, recently I saw a woman who was using her Instagram platform to talk about trans black history and talking about those creators and people who just went very unrecognized, but had these lasting impacts, like the first trans woman to be on Vogue and so forth. But these are people that history seldomly speaks on and talks about and it's so frustrating and I'm just like how can we celebrate one person and talk about all that they've done and all that they've created but then kind of put these other people on a back burner even how they put God rest his soul Martin Luther King on this pedestal you would think he's the only black person that has done anything because that's all that they refer back to and talk about yet even within our own history we don't talk about how our government was responsible for his assassination. Or we also don't talk about a lot of the people that worked behind him. I think when John Lewis passed, that was, I think, the first real emphasis I'd seen on outside of Black people talk about John Lewis and his legacy and all that he really did. And I think we also, like, there's a lot of people behind closed doors that, a lot of Black people that are constantly the ones who are teaching that history. Yes. Shit, a lot of white people don't even know Martin Luther King had an affair. But that is a different story for a different time. But I also think there's, so I feel like, and this is just me, it could be other people, this is also pulling in Mercury retrograde. I feel like January be a blur in some <laughs> January. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, and I truly believe just in patterns of my own life, that in January to February, we are 
losing a lot of friends. We're changing our perception. It's a new year. You know, all that stuff is happening. And it also infuriates me and it's exhausting having to be that Black voice all the time. And I don't know if you guys feel this way too, but I feel like along with celebrating Black History Month, along with trying to keep my job, my friends, everybody accountable on history while still learning history, but also not wanting to be tokenized in situations either. There's a lot that people of color go through during their month. And then you got Women's Women's History Month the month after, like, it's like, it's, it's been very hard sometimes being in, in situations where I feel like I'm being pulled in a room to be that black, black voice. And to, that's unfair. I feel like that's unfair to all black people when we're put in that situation to be that voice because we should have to educate anybody. It is unfair, but it's also like we have to be honest with ourselves. And I feel like, yes, there's a lot of information being pushed out about Black history, but not everybody's reading it. Not everybody's wanting to tap into it. And so there are non-Black people, whatever, to each its own, that want to learn and are trying to figure out where to go to learn. And yes, in some moments we're annoyed and we're like, do what we've been doing, go <laughs> online. And But at the same time, there is a teachable moment where it's like, I can also say to someone like, hey, I'm learning too here's the link, whatever, and have that conversation. And that feel authentic. Instead of it being, hey, Black person, it's Black History Month, and we want to make sure that we're showing that we support Black people. What? <laughs> it's just like, where does that come? Excuse me, where does that balance come? Yeah. Of let's authentically use this as a learning opportunity. Still keep people accountable because you should be also learning. And I think that's, that's, that, that's the thing that comes in, the accountability aspect owning up to where you might have fallen off or where you might be privy to not even looking and not even so much having that reliance on the black person in the room. Like I know during all of like the black Lives matter movement that in everything that was 2020, cause you know, 2020, I feel like that was a very heavy summer year. It was a lot. And I sat in a lot of town halls at my old job and they were like, you know, how is everybody feeling? And like, what was going on? And a lot of my white colleagues were like, oh, I'm so exhausted. You look at the news, it's all of this stuff and blase, blase, blase. And it's kind of like- for what? Like of hearing about it or like- Are you just realizing it's happening? Because- And see, and that's what it was. But one of my coworkers, my black coworkers, he- he cleared the room. Rodney, if you listening, you know you cleared the room on that town hall because he did. Because he was like, you know, I'm sitting here listening to y'all talk about how y'all exhausted. I am a black man. I live this every day and I have lived this every day for my entire life. So for you to wake up two, three days out the week and you be like, oh, so sad. And you go on about your life. That, that doesn't mean shit to me. Mm-hmm. He's like, if anything, you need to educate yourself. Do not ask me how I'm doing. You should know this is detrimental to my mental health. I work in the media. I'm looking at this all the time. I'm sick to my stomach. I hate reading about this. But do not come to me about any education. You know how to pick up a book and read about anything else. Therefore, if you want to educate yourself on this matter about police brutality, so forth, and Black history and everything that Black people have endured, you need to do it yourself. And when I tell y'all, that town hall was quiet for about four minutes straight because they didn't know what else to say. But it's like, mm-hmm. why, why do we even have to explain that? 
I think I'm more receptive to a conversation if somebody actually did read something and came to me and was like, hey, I read this. And how right. do you feel about it? And like, have you, did you know about this? Because some stuff I might not know, but I would feel so much better to actually know that someone is invested. And I'll, I'll say, so I have a best friend. Her name is Hallie. We've been yin and yang since we were kids. And I will say shout out to our parents because Hallie's mother and my mother sat us down early. Like we, we've known each other since fifth grade, sat us down early and was like, Hey, as you guys continue to be friends in your lives, people might not be happy at the fact that a white child and a black child are friends and had that conversation with us so that we were aware when different friends start acting up, like why you hang with her? And we would be like, no, 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 calm that down. But one thing I've always told Hallie is if you want to learn something or you've read something, whatever, come to me. Now, when you come to me, if I'm not in the right mindset, I will vocalize that. But I want to make sure as your black friend, I know we was like, you have a black friend as your black friend. I'm not about to set you up out here looking crazy, but you also not about to make me look crazy either. And also know that when you're learning, there might be a stupid question you ask, but at least you're trying to learn and you're aware. And so during that time, she reached out to me. She's like, Hey, I've been really doing research. I've been really watching the news. I've been really paying attention to these things. You know, we've been excuse me, talking about this stuff for years and I want to help. And I don't know if it's in, you know, going out in the streets or she's like, which I have no problem, you know, going to rallies and stuff like that. She was like, she also wanted to give monetary, whether it's donation to a a foundation or whatever, or she was like, I want to get into, you know, black owned skin products. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I vocalized to her. I was like, hey, the time is heavy, so I can't really do this with you. But I also, as your friend, you can't use that Black-owned skin product because your face is going to be oily. Like, let's also do the research in that. But I think, again, it's just those conversations where you can see someone that's actively engaged and wants to help and wants yes. to be a part of the movement and wants to be part of that change that I behoove whoever is listening that is not a Black person or a person of color does that research because- when you're coming to your friends, we are trying to survive on a daily basis. And I know that might sound dramatic to some, it's but not. it's not like we are literally trying to one, keep our jobs or be a part of systems that were not created for us and still try to thrive and succeed and not be pushed in the back burner. We are constantly trying to make our identities known as someone that's a storyteller and producer. I'm constantly trying to talk about intersectionalities that people don't even aren't even aware about nor do they care. And it's not to avoid your experience. Like I constantly in conversations say from my experience or this a person's experience, because I'm not voiding yours, but know that there are experiences that are not like yours. And so it, I think it's awareness. It is, it's awareness. But again, our society pushes so, so much back on even wanting to be aware that I think a lot of people are very apprehensive. Because they think, oh, if I even approach a Black person about this, they're going to get upset because obviously I didn't know and I should have known. And it's like, well, no, it's not so much that I'm upset with you. I'm upset with the system as a whole, because at the end of the day, you essentially reap no reward from feeling like you had to know any of this. You move through life completely fine. Like the only people I know I saw somewhere, but they were like, literally the only people that are affected by racism in America is everyone who isn't white 
white people just move on throughout life without it ever affecting them. Therefore, when it comes time to address a lot of these issues, they don't care. Now, before we move out of this segment, I have one last thing to ask you guys, but what do you think about these efforts that we've seen that restrict how schools teach Black history and race and racism? And even going back to what Kendall mentioned earlier about them not wanting to teach the critical race theory, which has basically um, happened, they said to date, I got this from a New York Times article that published in February of this year, they said to date, more than 20 states have introduced that regulation. I think it's alarming. I think it's very alarming. I think it's very, it's very, it's telling at the same time too. Um, I think the reason why it upsets me so much is I think growing up and being in a predominantly white area, predominantly white school and seeing how much was segmented and what I was learning and how basically everything was the same thing again and again and again when I was taught black history. And it was pretty whitewashed for one, but it's like, I had such an emphasis on European history that I quite honestly don't really remember at this point. Like I remember hearing Martin Luther when I was learning about European history and I was like, King, like wanting it to be something more than what I was actually learning because I was tired of it. I think we're doing children in this nation a disservice by not teaching them to the full capacity that they deserve to be taught. And I think as a parent who, I'm not a parent, but I think, you know what I mean? A parent with a child that lives in a state in one of those 20 states that is denying this as a teaching moment should really move for one. Um, But I think to open their eyes to what they're giving their child, because if you're not giving your child the full capacity to learn this nation's history, because that's what it is. It is the history of this nation to its fullest extent. You are then giving your child a disservice at that point. You're giving them something that they're not going to fully be educated on. And they're going to either, if they want to, they seek it out, learn it on the internet, or they're going to grow up not knowing this and then put themselves in a situation where they are ignorant, they're unknowledgeable. And at that point, offending other people, because they're going to be like, I didn't know this was never taught to me. And that's not a good enough excuse anymore. But I think it's very eye-opening to how far we thought we might have come as a nation to how little we've actually moved in terms of just, it's been a melting, it's been low down racism, but I think at this point it is full blown. Like it says everything. It says everything about confirms everything. I don't know. It really frustrates me because I had to sit through so many European history lessons and learn so much about a culture and a nation that is really not mine and I don't appreciate it. And then to say like, oh, well, yours isn't worth teaching is frustrating. I think this can also be a psychology, academia, you know, history lesson and solution. I think there's a shame that individuals have about their history, sorry. You can talk about how you found all the gold and the land in the world. At the end of the day, they were murderers as well. Let's just call it what it is. I bring in the psychology because I think for people of color, parents have to make the decision of when to teach us what history where it won't traumatize us. 
Well, too, that trauma is already ingrained. In it's us. already ingrained. Yeah, it's already in our body, in our system already. That's why, you know, disease and everything be popping up on us all crazy. Like, let's not take that away from the situation. But I think, and I think I don't have children either, but I think about how do I still expose my future children to all that my mom exposed me to that made me the well-rounded person that I am, but not traumatize them early. Shannon Shaw saw Roots. Shannon knew about Kunta Kinte and saw that video and was traumatized about everything that happened to that man. You know what I mean? Shannon learned about Emma Till early. Shannon went to the Blacks and Wax Museum as a child and all our parents had to pick us up through the slave ship because it was so graphic. Okay, we're still traumatized to this day, true five. Wait, wait, wait. Are you talking about the Wax Museum in Baltimore? Absolutely traumatized to this day. I, ooh, I went there as a kid with my grandma when we were visiting and I was like, what in the world? My and my mom like, had a nerd <laughs> give me a Girl Scout badge after we, me and my friends are traumatized to this day, okay? Let me tell you. So it's also, how do we still teach everyone at the right age what information so that it does not put on shame? Because I think as a kid, like you do have shame where you're like, why, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my skin? Mm-hmm. why do people hate me mom and dad like what is it about that I have to do the extra mile and there's shame in that and I could also see how a white child might feel shame too where they're like learning how I know I know we, again <laughs> I, t- I care about babies okay I still care about the baby but I'm just <laughs> saying like is there a curriculum that academia psychology and history can all come together and be like hey First through fifth grade, this is how you're explaining just insight into it. Excuse me, middle school, we're going deeper. We're at that place where, you know, brains have developed enough where it's like, we need to go deeper into what that that was and then high school and so on. Like, I don't think I watched Amistad until high school. And mind you, I give all credit to my white teacher in high school that made us watch Amistad but that's the only movie they had to send a form home saying that this is going to be a scary movie and if you don't want your kid to be there don't have them come to school you know what I mean like I think there needs to be a curriculum where we're being honest about what history looks like at this point at this point the internet is too wide open for us not to sit here and turn a blind eye history still needs to continue don't just pick what part of history you don't want to talk about Again, and so, what they what is happening and what we're seeing is even with that shame, they're still not establishing that black history and slavery is at the very center of the national narrative of the right. United States of America as a whole. And that's something that white people have to come to terms with. Yes, you can be like, oh, my God, that was my ancestors. Why are you bringing that up? But it's like we do not want this to happen again. And I feel like in other countries, they accept this fully, like with Germany and the Nazi and World War II, like the things that they have in place make a lot more sense. I feel like they teach that to the full extent of what had happened. But also who's teaching that though? Like, let's be honest, like I have no problem. How can I say this in a nice way? I've been in presentations where I have had a Caucasian coworker lead a presentation. And that's fine, it's not a problem. But when it got to the DE&I section or talking about anything that dealt with people of color, they got nervous and stuff, the way it came out sounded crazy. Yep. Like, all right, let me tap in, it's okay. So it's, it's kind of like- But also you shouldn't have to do that. 
you shouldn't should have be. to but again i get i i also give this much wiggle room to be like i get you this is hard for you to talk about and you should some somewhat bow out in this situation a little bit because i don't want you inserting your privilege or inserting the fact that you don't know into these babies head for them to think they're learning something either Mm -hmm. it's also like what does that look like is it a program where you have somebody come in during black history month or you have somebody or whatever it is a curriculum needs to be made and i think before we jump to eliminating black history altogether having these conversations i think there should be an attempt to a solution where every part of the history is being exposed and it's appropriate for the age group that you're talking to Mm -hmm. for sure for sure but again this is something that one as a society and a as a whole, they have to accept. And that even has to be ingrained in our educational system. Cause I mean, Hey, we already know the education system in America is shit. Severely underfunded. It's just terrible. So that's one thing that already has to be addressed. Then there are these other things that will fall into place. But I mean, even when I was looking into these other instances of efforts where people have tried to restrict what schools are teaching, it's been as simple as just a few parents being like, hey, we don't want them to learn this. Like they said in the predominantly white community of North Odigan, Utah. Um, Utah was like the first state to ixnay it before Florida. I can believe it, but they said specifically Mm -hmm. in this one community, they went to a private school, which was Maria um, Academy, a public charter school with only, oh, it was public, uh, a public charter school with only three black students. The parents said, Hey, we want to opt out for our kids to learn about black history. Month. And the school was like, okay. Yeah. Until they face backlash. Then it was like, Oh, well, never mind. We weren't going to actually play into it. You know, all of the students are going to have to, uh, participate in the activities and learning about this month. And it's like, how did you let a group of parents bully you? Is this the same school that made it optional for parents to pull their kids out during the month of February? Uh, there was one in Utah that gave them the option to pull their this kids one, it out. Just, that. They stated it as opting out. So they might have pulled them from the school. And that is like, if I, I don't know like history. there's nothing that they could learn that is that bad that they need to pull their child out of school. I remember also reading about this too, that they're worried that there is anti-police propaganda in it and I was like if we're going to talk about how that could play a role is it what they're going to watch Fruitvale Station and learn about Oscar Grant and it's like that that is not anti-police propaganda it's however you interpret that situation it's facts it's history so it's like however you interpret that is your own internal messaging and so that's like they already know they're well I think it's what Shannon's talking about again is like shame I think that shame might come with a little bit of guilt that they're well aware of those actions and they're worried their child might. But the crazy thing for me with a lot of white people that I don't understand is there's uh, there's always this talk of guilt and shame, but they've never faced any retributions for any of their actions. Nothing. It's, It's also I wonder, how do you do that? Like, it's like, how do you take a situation where it's like, say white you never if you never faced any repercussions for anything whatsoever throughout the course of history your ancestors the people who founded the nation were they though i think those might be my ancestors um but anywho um that's also something that i 
I'm one of those people that also likes to put myself in other people's shoes when understanding emotions and feelings. And it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, I got to get Dr. Umar on another episode. Yeah. Plus I also, you know, I have a white stepmother and a topic of conversation with all of this is it's like, how do you apologize when that's like your past, like you're the, like being white and that's the white past, but you didn't essentially that. like, for that. Yeah. Exactly. nobody wants an apology. No, exactly. But it's also like, I personally know I'm not asking for an apology. I'm asking for awareness to learn about this and just be self-aware of your own privileges and actions from that, but also be aware of the other people in your life that are either black or non-black POC and what they might, their day-to-day might look drastically different than yours. I just feel like when they, when they want to be like, we're not apologizing for our, we're not asking for that. We're asking you to do no. better. That's really, we're saying, learn what your ancestors did and do better. I think it's the same thing with us. Like, yes, there's a lot of bad things that happened to us, but we weren't squeaky, squeaky clean either. Like no. sometimes when you be calling on the ancestors, you be asking for the ones that had it right. Like, don't be calling just any ancestor. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so like, don't get it twisted. Like not everybody was good people either, but like you're aware enough to know to do better. You're yes. just like you go through something at work or you go through something at school or whatever. And you're like, oh, I'll know how to deal with this in the future. It's just, just being aware. And so, no, I'm not now for Emmett Till's uh, killers you know, they should feel shame. You should, you should feel, you should feel awake. I've been watching too much about Emmett Till. So yeah, for, for your ancestors, I, I think you should have a foundation. Like that's just me, but. And Miss Girl and the rest of her family, they can kick the bucket. Anyway, she's still alive sitting up here, but that's neither here or there. But like, I think you need to be aware of what happened. I think you need to be aware of your ancestors situations and do better, do mm-hmm. better. That's it. All I'm asking you to do is do better. And we're all doing better, but like do better, but do better by being aware of what happened in the past to know how to do better in the future. I still feel like there should be a a severe consequence. I know we want them to do better, but I don't know. I'm just feeling something like reparations, something like that. I don't know. We need something like that. Come on. It also very much bothers me that the woman who falsely accused Emmett Till is like living her life. I, hopefully Still she's alive. suffering enough from dementia or, or something. Hopefully something is coming. I believe wrong. in Jesus. In Jesus. Karma. Karma will make a way out of no way, honey. I don't know. And I don't need to. I don't need to be. I don't need to decide that. Like that's again. That hell is hot, honey. Hell is hot. That's not for my decision, but I do think. I think. I do think a rapper. I don't even know what that looks like, though. Like, what are they about to give us our plot and a mule? Like, what's that even look like? Like. I don't even know if I'd even want it at this point. Like, I would if it was some money. No, pay for my place in another country. I think it's money. I think it's. I think it could be anything. I think it could be money. I think it could be paying for my trip to go back to where my ancestors were. I think it could be, you know, for those families that people stole their land from, giving that land back or having a conversation to incorporate them in that situation. I think it's if. I think if it's someone that was lynched that you know that's your family member that the government is paying for a memorial, it's going to be a lot of money because they was lynching us back and forth. But like, I think it's playing homage. I think it's in, I think it's for all the wrongdoing. And I think we can't do everything for everything, but I think it's taking those steps. But they've just done so little. That's, I think that's the biggest thing. They've just done so little 
and every day it doesn't look like it's going to get better no yeah and it's ridiculous it's ridiculous because I even think about things that I've seen from my own life within these past years and I'm just like Jesus Christ I really didn't witness this all of this what's also things I see on like a day-to-day like work and stuff like it's never directly out there but mm-hmm. there's little things that happen where I'm like and it's never like a direct out thing I think it's like a below the surface and they're completely unaware but it's oh baby we gonna have to do an episode about microaggressions at work that has to be an episode there's a lot of microaggressions that have just gone unsaid unnoticed on all of that very much but we are going to move on to the very last segment of the show, which is You Are Drove. And disclaimer for my non-St. Louisans, but drove is basically terminology for when you are mad, sad, confused, or just plain oblivious to how you thought a situation would work out in your favor, um, when technically it does not. And I'm sure you guys have heard about this, uh, but you know, always a little bit of racism lurking around somewhere and it just so happens that there was a bit of racism in the metaverse but over the past year we have seen an influx in all of this stuff about nfts and so forth but we've also begun to see a growing number of racist collections So one of those most notable collections was back in, I think this was November, but they had a few NFTs depicting George Floyd. Um, And it was on the major marketplace OpenSea, which also happened to have Hitler NFTs for sale. But earlier this month, someone released the Metaslave which was an NFT project um, that showcased images of Black people. And every NFT was of a Black face, and it was priced around a certain, I believe, Digicoin or whatever, but it was simply named Metaslave. And each of these Black people that were coined Metaslaves were assigned a number. And the faces had hallmarks of being algorithmically generated, Um, so they all looked somewhat different, but they were generated like according to whatever, whatever algorithm they use. Um, so since this has happened, the project has been shut down, but during its promotion, the project posted to Twitter and Instagram stating in creating our project, we wanted to show, um, that everyone is a slave to something, a slave to desires, to work, to money, etc. And they even made another tweet adding that there will be another collection in the future of white Asians and other people of color and other ethnicities and so forth. But again, luckily, you know, nothing ever dies on the internet. whatever you say can be captured in real time they claimed that with the project they were paying homage to the Black Lives Matter movement and um, honoring George Floyd by saying you know with this project we want to show everyone that we will never forget the victims and suffering of our ancestors and we must remember history so it doesn't happen again now again mind you 
all of this stuff has disappeared. It's no longer available on the site, nor is the project's Twitter or Instagram. But it's still crazy to see that this was still a thing and that it still was allowed for that short period of time that it was up. And I mean, OpenSea, the platform that sells NFTs, they haven't technically addressed it. They're just like, oh, it's no longer a thing anymore. So, but it's just, it's crazy because you would think that something like that would be at least flagged and taken down immediately. But again, it wasn't, it happened. So like we said before, when these things are not talked and not shown, hey, this is not going to get the reaction that you desire, just simply off what it's based on. The crazy thing about all of this is that like slavery in the metaverse started in 2021, like the end. So it's been some time before it really became like a huge public attention thing. Um, but this is just another reason why I'm scared of the metaverse. I mean, so, it just goes to show you racism can live anywhere and racism touches anywhere. every facet in every industry in America. It doesn't also necessarily surprise me because I think we all saw one, what Twitter and Facebook looked like during Trump's term in office and all the accounts, even Instagram all over that were made. But as soon as they took Trump off of social media, um then that third party platform parlor was made they lost parlor everybody moved to reddit and i think reddit continuously has been probably the most alarming out of all of them where there's subreddits where everything that's literally how qanon was created um so i think it's not surprising and shocking that this would carry on to like the metaverse and nfts like it's not surprising at all because that's just how technology grows so will racism into those spaces i just think it's wild it happened this quickly like there's literally no time wasted but i think that's what happens when so many people are literally censored at this point like covid misinformation is spread you're kicked off of this and i think it's like you spread anything of that sort you lose those platforms you got to move over to what's open next to continue spreading misinformation on whether it's COVID election fraud Trump 2024 like you got to move over to the next space so that people can hear you pretty much and again this is something that is going to continue until the true core of racism is addressed and the dynamic of white and black people and not not even so much just white and black people but of how we move through society, whether we're black, also white. I would a lot of it on white nationalism and oh, their yeah. access to the internet at this point, because as long as that still exists and access still exists, this will continue to be spread. Events will still happen where they gather and plan things, do things. There'll still be topic and discussion boards for it even to be plotted out, to even be discussed. Like, as long as this is still readily accessible, there will be people who continuously do it. And I want people to realize too, I like how you brought that up about like white nationality, just because people act like these white supremacist groups aren't a thing anymore. Like, oh, that died with people's great grandparents, their generation. Like, no, Charlottesville still happened. There are plenty of white nationalists and white supremacists out there. And people are still buying and wearing and hanging Confederate flags. It's not going anywhere. And it's not a deep South pride 
and even how do you even explain like what makes you so prideful of the south at that same point but it's not even that anymore it's if you have that much pride in that flag and what it represented and what that time did represent you know exactly what comes along with that so it's while that is still being worn and still used and still a proud statement that will continue to I honestly think people just need to build time machines and send people back who still abide and live in that mind frame. If you want to live in that time frame so bad, we're going to send you back to fight in the Civil War, please. Because we, we can do nothing with you. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times, even with that, those people, that's technically their heritage. They did not just wake up one day and learn that on their own. That was things that were passed down and ideologies that they're just like, hey, it's a family thing unfortunately I would say it's almost like similar to this is a big stretch here but it's almost similar to like Nazi Germany and it's like if that was a history if that was a thought and that was big at that point now we're not there so we don't even know this might still be a topic of conversation over there but that same thing it's like it's similar it's it's very similar and I'm not as familiar with their history of how they've counteracted what happened with Hitler and Nazi Germany but I feel like the steps they took are literally the complete opposite of the United States and how we handled slavery and civil war but you know just again thinking about how deeply embedded racism and slavery is ingrained to our culture there are plenty of other things that happened after slavery was abolished that still contributed to keeping black people in structural racism like Mm -hmm. sharecroppers and how that whole thing was set up and how you basically couldn't make no damn money you were technically a slave working to take care of your family and even give back these landowners their money in places where they knew crops would not grow and so forth so Again, there, there, there have all these things that have already been established to hinder Black people. That that whole that whole thing would just have to be addressed. It's a lot. It's a heavy one. I try again. I feel like we're in a place now where more of us are talking about, you know, this not being our burden to carry. So, I just hope that more of us take that on. Yeah, because it's a lot. It is a lot. And hopefully you listeners, you guys are reading up on your history. If you white, you're not asking your black friends about history. You are going to the library on your own. You are looking at your own resources um, and learning. But again, it's a lot. And I want to say thank you so much, Shannon, for joining us for today's episode, thank sharing you. your insight, your own background, uh, what you wish to see happen with future black history months and so forth but it's been a good episode you guys i was gonna say shannon do you want to tell our listeners where to find you yeah sure uh, you can find me at um, keep it clashy underscore on instagram it's just like keep it classy but my last name is clash i know um, <laughs> or on twitter at shannon clash let's keep it simple um and you guys can hit me up anytime Yes, but that's it, you guys. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening to Annoyed Not Offended with See It. Have a question or interested in sharing an annoyance of your own to be read on the show? Email annoyednotoffended at gmail.com. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Annoyed Not Offended for more hilarious content and updates on the show. And please leave us a positive review on iTunes. Until next time, bye.